Richards trying to scoot in there alone. It pinballs to the crease. Score! Now a special presentation for you. Oh my God! Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to the Pod Street Boys Podcast. With your hosts. Derek, now you gotta get it, brother. John, and producer, Matt. Unnecessary, but totally necessary. What's not to love? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to an episode of the Pod Street Bullies. My name is Derek. Uh, I'm John. What's going on, everybody? And we are joined, as always, by the lovely Matt. Matt Casey, how you doing, man? Good, guys. How we doing? A lot of Flyers talk. Let's go. Absolutely. And, Hoagie, how are you feeling, man? <laughs> feeling wonderful, boys. I'm flyered up and I'm hungover as hell. Holy crap. <laughs> Drunk, fired up Hoagie is, is something... To be, I don't even know if seen is the word because I mean we weren't with him, but something to the behold. activity on Twitter was beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. You guys was... hear a little bit about it on Tuesday when we uh when we have that that uh, episode with uh, Five Minute Major because Dave oh, Dave witnessed it all. <laughs> I can't wait for that. Um, but no, I mean we talked. What was it last week? The Mats and I we talked about the trades that went down uh, with Ryan Ellis. And there were more trades that happened. We actually, again, have hockey to talk about. It's encouraging. I mean, now, unless John wants to interject here and, you know, give us a story, but that's totally up to him. <laughs> Not yet. Too much to talk about. Not yet. Too much to talk about. We're going to get right down to it. We're going chronologically. The first deal Chuck Fletcher made was with the Arizona Coyotes. Goss Despair, a second-round pick next year and a seventh-round pick next year, all for future considerations. I haven't done much research on how this future considerations guy plays and how he's, you know, how he is, but um, I can only assume that the value coming back isn't the uh, the greatest. I, do you have any more insight on that, John? Well, the future considerations are the draft picks, aren't they? It was a joke, you dick. God, oh, Jesus, <laughs> what are we doing what here? Funny. What uh, funny. Not maybe not to you, you. Uh, well, okay. if I don't think it's funny. Then I mean, he he ser- he served you up a beach ball and you, and you whiffed on it, man. You face like painted. <laughs> like you're just getting your face up out of the sand right now. Even That's I right. understood it, and I'm like not here. <laughs> you are the worst, John Gove. You are the worst. All right, guys. Well, it, I mean, be funnier then. <laughs> I don't know what you want me. To, I don't want me to tell you. You know, you're typically not that funny, and then all of a sudden I'm supposed to pick one. It's a joke. All of a sudden, come I've got now. Casey and Hoagie rolling right now, and you're going to tell me I'm not funny? <laughs> like, come on now. If that's them, if that's Listen, them rolling, know. they're the most stoic human beings I've ever met. If they're rolling right now, I don't know if I'm laughing at at, at Derek's comments or if just I'm laughing at John. Just not thinking I, it's funny. <laughs> I, I think I'm laughing at the fact that Derek is rocking a Bobby Hig Hive shirt as well as a Harvard hat, which just somehow seems like a contradiction in terms. It is not. It is not a contradiction, contrary to your previous statement, Matthew Casey. Um, I found this Harvard hat, and I washed it, and it makes me look smarter, so I'm happy about it. It's like a Morgan Wallen song. I made sure to wash it because Lord knows what type of miscreant was wearing it before me. I mean, even if you washed it, man, I don't know. Somebody tossed you the hat. Be careful. Yeah, that's, that's a little weird. That's, that's and now you're wondering why you've got a fever and all that stuff. You got like hatitis. That was that was dumb. <laughs> you, you're telling you me have. I'm not funny. Whoa, whoa, guys, we are we are deep in this rabbit hole right now. Yeah, come on, John. Let's go. So I asked you a question. To answer. Gosh, the spare trade. How's it working out? How do we look? John, go before I. Uh, I don't know. I mean, people are up in arms about the uh, having to give up the second-round pick and the, the seventh-round pick, and they're all, you know, well, this is just a jump cap. But the way that this was looking, right, was you had to pay a premium to unload cap. The Flyers weren't able to get rid of Boracek or JVR at the expansion draft. They had to find a way to get rid of some cap, to make some cap room. 
this is what they needed to do. I'm I'm going to say this probably one more time in this conversation, but I'm really not paying attention to what we gave up. We needed that cap space. We got it. Move on, in my mind at least. What are you thinking about this, Hoagie? Oh, I, I absolutely love the trade. I think it's what John said. It's what was needed. We needed the cap space, and who cares if we're not getting anything in return as of right now? Who cares? The second-round pick, you never know what they're going to do in potentially four or five years from now. Who cares? Move on from it. We got the cap space that we absolutely freaking needed, and it, I think it's a it's a slam dunk in my opinion. Absolutely. How about you, Matt Casey? Yeah, I mean, echoing what the boys said, you know, I, I don't really care about the draft picks. You know, we can always acquire draft picks. There's other ways to recoup that cost. Um the most value that Ghost brought to this, you know, this offseason was his actual monetary value. And it's, what, $4.5 in cap. And we needed that relief. And, you know, we'll go, we'll go into what it went in there. But you also look like I saw a lot of people, and I went way deep into Flyers Twitter this weekend, and my blood's freaking boiling still. But it's like, <laughs> oh, my God, I can't believe we got rid of Ghost. It's like, what do you mean can't? Like, the guy, he, he, he cleared waivers. He played better. But, like... He's a power play specialist at best at this point. Like, he was a rotational bottom-pairing defenseman. He didn't slot well with this team as it's being constructed. Agreed. We get rid of this guy, and all of a sudden he's, like, elite on the power play or something. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Come on now. It's like, like we, we, we were, like, begging for him to be traded for two years, and it finally happens, and everybody, like, is up in arms. It makes no sense. It leads it's like, a bit if you of a stretch. Yeah. If, if if you didn't if you didn't if we didn't get rid of him now, who do you think the number one player we would have tried to trade it at the trade deadline this year was going to be? It was going to be Ghost for a record four years in a row. Um, <laughs> so, like, he, he's gone. It's great. Like he served. You know, he was a good he, he was a good player for a couple years, and like you know, wish him well. But we got to move on. Yeah, that four and a half mil could be used elsewhere. It was used elsewhere. Um, you know, to the people that are like, no, not not ghosts. Like, how do you not see this coming? Being put on waivers, not claimed in the rumor mill countless times. It's like the writing was clear as day on the wall where you knew he was getting moved. And if that's what it took to move him, adding two extra picks, so be it. You know, like John said, the what you're giving up compared to what you're getting in return doesn't matter as much to me because we're getting what we want. And with these... Trades here that we're going to rattle off in a little bit. We're seeing a trend here also that we'll touch on. But um, any any lasting thoughts on the Gostas Bear deal to Arizona, aside from the fact that Arizona has become the Flyers' like cap dumpster? <laughs> I, I'll say that the other thing that had to have gone into it is a little bit of faith in York and also the fact that Ellis can bring you know, what, um, what ghost was great at, which is, you know, quote unquote great at, which is the power play. And, you know, that these guys can also match his deficiencies, which was defense. And so, you know, it's time to move on, but, um, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. How about you, Hogier, John? Nothing. Happy trails. Thanks for the memories. Yeah. Thanks for nothing. Um, anyways, <laughs> no, just joking. He was, he was pretty decent his couple first couple years. But anyways, before going down that rabbit hole, we've got another trade involving a blue liner. We have the Flyers giving up our beloved Robert Haig. Our prince. Our prince. Our sweet, sweet prince. He is gone. He's a Buffalo Sabre along with the first round pick from this year's draft and a second round in 2023. And folks, the eye test hero... And the analytics anti-hero, Rasmus Ristolainen, is a flyer now. Matt Casey, are you excited? Yep, I don't even have to ask. <laughs> I, I've never, like, okay, if it was just Ristolainen that we got out of this thing, I'd be like, what the hell are we doing? And I'm talking about the offseason as a whole. Last week it talked about Ellis. Ellis is a great, you know, the comp with him is a right-handed team in it. What, he's great puck moving. He's good on the power play. He can kill penalties. He's not not physical, but he's not very big. So where does that leave us with with the giant hole, which is physicality, 
big, nasty, hard-hitting, someone who gives a crap. And that, in my mind, is Ristolainen. The guy is scary as shit. Like, you know, you look at him, and you're like, oh, my God. Is, is that Jake Paul? Like, what, what is going on here? And so I think, look, this is going to be a hot debate for forever. Mm-hmm. I And I did we give up a lot for him? Yeah, we did. And I'm trying to look at it a little bit more as, we got Ellison Ristolainen for this. And, you know, we got, you know, looking at the two of them as a package versus a, what, nine and a half million one-player Seth Jones deal. Mm. We solidified two-thirds of our defensive pairings, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I like it a lot. Every time we played Ristolainen in the last couple of years, I'm like, this guy sucks to play against. Like, he's a pain in the ass. And that is exactly what he said in his press conference. He wants to be a pain in the ass to play against. And he was the number one defenseman there. Now he is, at best, the number three and more than likely our number four defenseman. He's going to be slotted just so much better. And I think it is going to pay dividends with him. Not to mention the fact he's not going to have six coaches in eight years. He's going to have, like, some decent coaches who know what they're talking hopefully. about. Oh, yeah, Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. My like the fact that I see anyone in Philadelphia complaining about this drives me insane. This is a guy who Philly should love. Sit down, shut up, go online, go to Fanatics, get a Flyers T-shirt, rip the sleeves off, and Sharpie wrist line on the back. This guy's gonna be a freaking badass this year. <laughs> I love that. I like him. Oh. I I had no clue. Um, <laughs> but no, that really clarified things for us. What are you thinking about this, Hoagie? How do I follow that up, though? It's true. That's why I'm throwing it to you. <laughs> no, I, moving on. I I love I love this trade because we we were asking for a defenseman or somebody to add some grit to this team, and that's Ristolainen. We saw this guy eight games this year, and he was a pain in the butt every freaking game. He didn't care who you were. He was hitting you, putting you into the boards. Didn't matter. It's huge. The fact that we got pretty much gave away Hague for this line, I, I'd make that trade any day. The first round pick I was a little upset about, but once you dove into that a little bit more, it seemed like other teams were willing to give up a first round pick for him as well. So if, you, if that's the price you got to pay, pay the price. Who cares? I thought I saw as many as like eight teams apparently were in on him and were offering first round picks. Yeah. I could be off on that, but like that's the price you pay. That's the guy you want. Yeah, there's that. Exactly. Yeah. There's a number of teams. So absolutely. It. What about you, John? What are you thinking, man? I mean, again, I don't know how I'm going to back up. You know, go after what Casey said, but there's a there's a few things here, and I think one of them, what I've noticed with a lot of not just Flyer fans but hockey fans, when you start thinking about trades and reactions, is so many people are stuck in this. What's what's this doing to our future? It's like they never think about the season that's coming up. It's always like what's going to happen to us two, three, four years down the road. And that's the game that the Flyers have been playing since I can remember at this point. This, to me, signifies a change in mentality throughout the organization. It's not about two, three years down the road. I mean, they're not being completely negligent, but Chuck Fletcher's going here, you know what, if it's going to take me a first-round pick, a very replaceable player as much as we like him, and uh, what is it? Was it a second or a third rounder? Second rounder. In 2037? Then whatever. I, you know, again, this is another trade where I don't care about what it costs. He's big. He's nasty. He's going to bring attitude. And unlike Travis Konechny, he doesn't seem to be all about the memes, right? He's just out there to wreak havoc. And that's what this team needed. I mean, I think we'll give, you know, overall takes about the offseason. But to me, this really just signified Chuck Fletcher going, you know what, enough effing around. I was sick and tired of seeing how this team performed last year, the attitude. We got to switch it up, and he went out and did it. And I happen to like Rasmus Ristolainen because all the nerds hate him. <laughs> You're such a contrarian. Such a contrarian. <laughs> no, Can we talk about the nerds for a little bit, though? 
Yes. Yeah, I'll just forego what I had to say about all this, but no problem. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You go, but I want to make sure we talk about the underlying, you know, statistics and such. No, that's a very good discussion, but I mean, I can only echo what everybody has said, considering Casey said about 95% of it. Um, Big guy, (laughs) scary physical presence, you know, again, and we'll get into it. The numbers I don't think are as bad when you look at the fact that he's going to be playing in a lesser role. Um, You know, yeah, was the first round pick steep? Sure, but that's what it took, you know, and that's the bottom line. So happy we have him. I think we've been talking about Ristolainen for months now, I feel like. So right. let's divert the discussion and talk about – I got, the I got one last thing for Ristolainen. Okay, you we're diverting mind. to Hoagie first. Sorry. One last <laughs> thing. I feel like Ristolainen replaces the size and play that we lost when we traded Myers. But he's a proven big guy. You know what I'm saying? Like He's a proven badass. I, Essentially, exactly. Like, like we we were that wrist line is what we were hoping Myers to be, and we were tired of waiting for him to be that. So we went out and got the guy that we needed to be. You know, you know what it feels like. Like, like Myers just felt too gentle for me. He was too, too just timid. Like Ristolainen, you know, in honor of in honor of Shark Week, which was go, which has been going on the last couple of weeks here. Uh, you know, you, you see the shark attacks. It's usually a shark that's, like, missing a freaking chromosome, like an inbred shark. It's like, I feel like Ristolainen has that thing where it's just, like, a twitch that, like, not a lot of players have where he's, like, he's going to freaking put your tooth into the turnbuckle. And, like, that that's going to be this guy. And, you know, I, I just didn't see Myers having that. The size, the size and, like, the... The comp, I think that's where their play like style ends. I think Ristolainen's just yep. nasty. Yeah, yep. absolutely. All right, John, you've been holding back. Let's hear it, man. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm somebody where I even listen to that uh, Dmitry Filipovich or whatever his name is, his hockey PDO cast because I try to get all different sides of you know hockey. Right? I don't understand too many of the underlying numbers. Right? I get the Corsi stuff. And the possession driving. I mean, I have my own opinions about that. Like, that's only one part of the game, driving possession. You know, you also have to be able to defend, and that doesn't necessarily, you know, measure that. But all when we start talking about expected goals and, you know, replacement level this and that, I just – I get lost. And I don't know – I. I think it just really blows my mind that you can be that against this player simply because you plugged him into a formula and it doesn't work out. You know, I respect what these people do. I call them nerds because they are, but I do respect what they bring to the game as a supplemental resource. But when you have actual NHL scouts saying they like this guy, I'm sorry. I'm taking that you know, 10 times out of 10 over, you know, his wins above replacement while wearing orange shoelaces um, <laughs> number. Worse in the league, for the record. <laughs> yes. He's just putrid, and I can't believe they gave up what they gave up for him. And, and one more thing, and then I want somebody else to, to go off on this conversation, too, is, like, do we completely disregard the point production that he's had then? Because the guys put up some pretty solid numbers offensively for a defenseman. I don't know how you disregard that. Because his expected above replacement under the cement number sucks. Oh, no. So somebody else (laughs) pick up on this, but I just think it's it's puzzling to me. I think a lot of this is based off of his role in Buffalo. And, like, I saw one guy in particular – on Twitter say like, oh, so because he was in an expanded role, we have to just kind of, you know, excuse those numbers. And I'm like, well, in a way, like the numbers aren't the same and they're not going to be the same, hopefully at least, because he was brought in at 18 years old to be the guy on the Buffalo Blue Line. He's progressed and matured, not the way they, I'm sure, envisioned him to. Then they give him Rasmus Dahlin. And then Dahlin is, you know, Buffalo... Every Buffalo. blue liner they have, every blue liner they have either doesn't meet their potential when they were drafted by them or was brought over by them and sucks. 
Buffalo is a Buffalo. bottomless pit for young players. Like, can I go that far and say that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd say anybody. Yeah. Anybody. Taylor Holden yeah. wants to stay Miller there. Went over there. Colin Miller, I mean, he's not young. He went over there. He was playing pretty well, and then he stinks. Yeah. Like, Taylor Hall, for some ungodbeknownst to me reason, wanted to sign there and then wanted traded. And it's like, dude, I know it's money. I get that. But he's getting the same he's getting the same money when he gets traded somewhere else. It's like, you made the initial mistake to sign there to begin with. But a guy like Ristolainen now, who was a top-pairing guy with Buffalo, is now presumably going to be on the second pair with... I, let's say Sandheim. I'm sure that's where a lot of people have him slotted. Less responsibility, not as much ice time. So you're going to see those underlying numbers get better, in in my head at least. I think that's the case. I hope that's the case. He's not going to be tasked with being the guy in Buffalo or in Philadelphia like he was in Buffalo. So that's my take on that. And I think that, you know, starting him off on a foot like that with some of these guys who live and die by, you know, Corsi and expected goals and all that BS, you know, it, it, it's not fair. Like, let the guy hit the ice and let's see what he can do before you make it a make an assumption here and pigeonhole yeah, yourself. I, I would say, like, you know, with the stats, it's like, look, you look at his numbers and you're like, yeah, that that's those aren't good numbers. But then what that doesn't do is take in the personal, the characteristic – characteristic the chemistry like the the personalized uh portion of what hockey and what sports are in general you know great movie is is moneyball where it's literally only looked at the stats the one number um and look that team didn't win either um and so i i think i don't know what that moral is but um you know i i look at what ristolainen brings in the overarching model of what this team needs and it he fits in theoretically exactly what we need him to do and you know you talked about signals and signs it's like how pumped right now should carter hart be it's like we just went out and got two badass defensemen to go along with two really really solid defensemen and then a third pairing that could theoretically be really really good in the form of braun and york um how pumped is somebody like Sanheim, who's like, man, I'm like pumped to play with this guy. He has first pairing experience. Like he and I are going to, you know, we might work really well together. He's a right-handed shot. I'm a left-handed. Like this is going to work. How pumped is somebody like Oscar Lindblom, who's like, hey, guess I don't have to drop the gloves. Guess the guess the cancer survivor doesn't have to drop the glove. We have Rasmus Ristolainen, who's going to pummel somebody. Like those are the X factors that make up team chemistry that can help make this fit look like, you know, for all the stat nerds out there, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe you gave that up. It's like, yeah, like we gave that up and we got this guy who's, who's absolutely solid. On the flip side, if he ends up not performing and those, those ridiculous minus 40 numbers are true. And for some reason we've all been, you know, totally blind to that. Um, he, he's he's on the last year of his deal. Um, I'm assuming that this is borderline a tryout, uh, you know, contract year for him. So, uh, you know, would love to see it extended, but I, I do think Chuck is like, maybe I will have to cut my losses if this guy doesn't work out um, at the trade deadline. Don't extend them before the season. <laughs> no. Let's see. Right, right. <laughs> Let's not pull another McDonald here. Um, now... <laughs> Let me know if you guys let me know if you guys seen this before because I want to discuss this as well. I think it was Jason Martinez was on Twitter talking about Ristolainen and someone was like, "Oh, like last year was terrible for him. You know, he did really bad." Da 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 da. Like there were stories about Ristolainen's battle with COVID and how he was scared to go to sleep because he might not wake up in the morning. Like that type of argument right there. I almost want to lump in with the advanced stats uh, crowd because it's like you're putting this guy at a disadvantage in your own mind before you even watch him play in a Flyers uniform. And I, to me, you know, I think it's disheartening because it's like, dude, are you going to sit here and tell me you don't want your team to do well? You know, that, that's ridiculous. You want him to do well. You want everybody on the team to do well. And you're automatically predispositioned to say, no, he's not good. I don't like him, da-da-da-da-da. Like, it's, the, it's Bobby Haig. It's Robert Haig all over again. Everybody, he sucks. He's just another guy. He's he's a, a replacement level player, like John was mentioning earlier. Like, okay, 
to an extent, 90% of the NHL could be replaced by somebody. Like, what do you mean there? Is there, like, where's the bar? Where's the bar for a replacement level with your goddamn numbers and all that? (laughs) Oh, well, I feel like that was kind of therapeutical. I I kind of, I I want to branch off on that, uh, Derek, because I I, said, in one of my freaking drunken tweets over the weekend, I said something along the lines of, you know, if you're wishing wishing bad things on this team and a brand new player before they even hit the ice, go be a freaking fan of this goddamn Seattle Kraken. Like, I don't need I don't need that type of mentality for this team. We've are, we've been we've been through that. We should be excited for these players that we're bringing in and excited for this team. Like, go suck an egg and don't be a fan if you're not if you don't wish this type of mentality on on these on these guys, dude. I, I think John hit it on the head. It's like we, we don't know what to do with big names. We've been right, in right. this like draft drag for so long that like, what what do we do now? Yeah. Right. I mean, and and one of the things that I find, and it's not everybody who is you know analytically strong. I don't know if that's even a term, but um, a lot of them, it's like they're the people who they just observe and point out that somebody is dumber than them. Like, I find like it's always just a conversation of where somebody else went wrong. And listen, I'm sure you're really good at plugging numbers into a computer, but Chuck Fletcher, you know, was hired as a general manager of an NHL team. You don't just, that just doesn't happen overnight. I'm sorry, but I'm going to trust this guy a little bit more, you know, than your calculations. But one thing that we haven't really touched on that I think that we should with Ristolainen is there's nothing more dangerous than a player who has something to prove. Mm-hmm. And does anybody have any more to prove than Rasmus Ristolainen at this point? Right. You know, half, half of the hockey fan bases hate him. He's been a part of just the biggest dumpster fire for the past, what, eight years? Right, he wants to prove that it wasn't him, that it was Buffalo. Like that's a great thing to have for somebody who's already just a, a badass. Yeah, you, you you look at it too. Like you know, think about just our own personal jobs. Like how much would it suck to go to work every day, knowing that you have no chance of succeeding? Like you have no chance. Welcome and to like, my life. That's what, this, <laughs> that's what this guy. That's what this guy's been doing for the last eight years. And it's like, my God, it's gotta be suffocating. And so, you know, it's, I hate to use the cliche of like, oh, we need to change the scenery. Like this guy needs to change the scenery. And like, if if things don't go well after this year, it's like, okay, maybe this guy does have, you know, there's larger issues here, but like, man, am I, am I pumped for this defense? Like I, this is the first time in a long time that I've been like, oh man, we got a defense to, to reckon with here. Oh, absolutely. Now, we've had three trades so far that we've discussed between last week and this week, all centered around the defense. You had Ellis traded for Myers and Nolan Patrick. Then you had Gostas Bear traded away, and then Ristolainen brought in. Now we finally have a trade centered around the forward group, and it falls in line with a lot of these moves again, which I will touch on later. But Jake Voracek, again, the writing was on the wall for a deal like this, was traded out of Philadelphia to Columbus, back home where he was drafted, for Cam Atkinson. Now, player for player swap, no picks involved, nothing like that, no salary retained. John, is this a win for Chuck Fletcher and the Flyers? 100%. This guy said that he wanted to come in, he wanted to change the culture. He identified one of the biggest problems in this culture and brought in the exact opposite. And to be able to do it, just full player swap player for player without any salary retention anything like that is fantastic he brought in somebody that he knew this team was missing well he brought in a few people that he knew that this team was missing but cam atkinson is somebody who just leaves it all out on the ice he seems to be a strong personality in the locker room from what i've read from columbus fans he was beloved by the community and he could do something that Jake Borchek really didn't do much of, and that's score goals. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to poo-poo Jake Borchek to the point of saying he was a bad player because on the right team with the right pieces, he was a really solid player. 
he just wasn't what this team needed right now. And from what I've gathered of Cam Atkinson, again, you know, how many Columbus games do you watch aside from the ones that the Flyers play Columbus? <laughs> but from what I've gathered, this is the right guy to get. And player for player, you love it. Absolutely. How about you, Hoagie? Uh, this is an absolute win for the Flyers and uh, Chuck Fletcher. The biggest win is no salary retention for Borachek. Yep. Yep. Because I literally read, I think it was either Friday night or Saturday morning, right before the trade went down, that te- teams were asking Chuck Fletcher for at least two million or two and a half million of salary retention. I was like, I'll take it. I'll take it, but I'd rather not. And the fact that he was able to pull that off player for player with no no salary cap retention is just is just huge because we needed we needed some more space. We still got to sign Hart. We got to sign um, Sandheim. Sorry, um, and it's huge. I've always liked Atkinson as a Blue Jacket. I I mean I I've never really followed his career, but I think he is one of those guys that's just going to play his heart out night in night out. And I I, I love the fact that he's a um, shorthanded, like specialist type of guy. I love shorthanded play, and I've missed when the Flyers were just masters on on the penalty kill and scoring mm-hmm. goals like every other game. It's huge. I love it. Him and a healthy Kevin Hayes could be quite the pairing on a penalty kill. Um, yep. So that's exciting. Now, what do you think about that, Matt Casey? Yeah, I mean, I I, I have two questions for you guys. One, did did any of you guys see this coming at all? Was this on anyone's no. radar? Absolutely no, not. No, absolutely not. I, so, like, I mean, that, like, bravo to Chuck Fletcher for, for making this happen. And we're, what, making up the two and a quarter or two and three quarters in, in salary on this? Yeah, like um, 2.3, 2.4 around yeah. there. Yeah. So, like, a, a, amazing stuff. But even just in his, you know, press conference, which, you know, he was rocking his wife's gritty shirt. Like, the guy is... He almost, I don't want to make this sound like bad, but like he's almost like a male cheerleader. You're like, dude, like you, you have so much freaking energy. It's it's amazing. Like that that's awesome stuff. And then the other question I have is like, what was Columbus thinking? Like they are clearly in rebuild mode. They have a beloved player. They're bringing in a guy of the same age who like you know lumbers around like an elephant. Like what what. What is in this for them? I, I don't get their point of view on this. I, Him and Line A will work out great together. It could. <laughs> it probably could. It probably really could. Vorchek to Line A. All Vorchek does yeah, is pass. Like a, Line A likes to freaking shoot, man. Yeah, nothing like a bunch of temperamental fools on the same line. Yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, you got four right, of them right, right here. Yeah, right. I mean, on a podcast, we got four of them. <laughs> but... but it, Go ahead, Casey. I'll, I'll say that, look, I'm with Hoagie. Like, the fact that he plays shorthanded and does really well there is great. He does play on the power play as well and does really well there. He almost like, you know, he's a, he seems like a small guy. He almost reminds me of, like, a more established uh, Travis Konechny in, in, in a weird kind right. of way. Um, Very and, comparable with size, too. Right. It, yeah, they, that's what I think. It's like I think he's just, he's just a little bit more bigger physically though mm-hmm. okay okay but yeah um but i think what it does is one of the underlining themes and i'm going back to the laviolette era when he was calling his notorious first period timeouts is slow starts for this team and we saw it this year we got pummeled in several games by you know multiple goals and that's because of slow starts like i just look at a guy like atkinson it's like this guy's gonna come ready to play and people are gonna want to follow that um, was that a belch? Was that, that was. That was. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, good. I hope he's not throwing up. Apparently, <laughs> there's there's some stuff still left in there. Oh god. Oh, oh. boy. <laughs> well, look, the one point I want to make about all these trades in general here, real quick, is that we brought in Ellis, former alternate captain with Nashville. We brought in Ristolainen, former alternate captain with Buffalo. Now Atkinson, a former alternate captain with Columbus. So. Chuck Fletcher set out to change the culture of this locker room. Not only did he do that by getting rid of guys like Gostas Bear, who was very vocal with some of his displeasures with the team, Voracek as well with some of the shenanigans. You know, we all know about his um, back and forth with Sealski, exactly. 
Um, <laughs> you know, nothing against Robert Haig, obviously. I, I can't say a bad word about him. But, like, you're bringing in a culture now. Nolan Patrick is gone. Nolan gone. Patrick is gone. <laughs> I was unclear about that, but thank you for clarifying that, Casey. Total side note, this has to be, like, Matt Casey's coming out party. He is fired up right now. He's oh excited, my God. Man. This so is awesome. I love this. Like, it this is like soliloquy, and now it's, not, it's unleashed. Not, yeah. not to go on nostalgia, but, like, this is the same feeling I had in, like, the summer of 2007 when we got Hartnell, Tiemann, Lupul, Upshaw. Um, I mean, there were a few others in, like, Buran came in or later earlier that season. Like, this feels like just a changing of the guard. And, like, you know, again, good job for Chuck Fletcher for doing that. Damn, he's addressed the biggest elephant in the room, and that is the culture. And so, Voracek's gone, Nolan Patrick's gone, Ghost. Now you have guys that are going to hold people accountable, because let's be honest, who's going to want to tell Ristolainen, like, oh, it's no big deal? (laughs) I mean, come on. If Ristolainen calls you out on something, you better listen. I could totally see, like, Travis connecting, like, ah, it's fine, we'll get him next game. And Risto's like, what, dude? Risto would ragdoll that guy. Like, oh, I almost, and obviously I don't really mean this, but, like, imagine Nolan Patrick in that locker room next year with Rasmus oh. Ristolainen. <laughs> I, I, can, I can picture his reaction, and it's going to be the same one way or the other. Like, you think the migraine disorder was bad? Wait for the concussions from getting pummeled. Um, oh, boy. Uh, let's, let's, let's move on before I get in trouble here. But, no, right. um... Great moves, all great moves. They check out for me. They check out for you guys as well. You know, now we move to the draft. Uh, just a quick little thing. You know, what three defensemen, two forwards, a goalie. Any John, you're a prospect guy. Exactly. Like, does it in the grand scheme of things, this draft kind of meh? Well, so. It, it says a lot for somebody who really does obsess over the draft all year long, right? I I love just following these guys. I I guess I'll call it scouting, but I also think that's an insult to the people who actually get paid to do that for a living. Um, but this draft, in when it pertains to the Flyers, was not about the draft picks. It was about making the NHL roster better. So. I'm excited about Samu Tulamala, which I've definitely pronounced that wrong, and I apologize because he definitely listens to this podcast. Um, <laughs> he seems like an ex- exciting pick. A few people that I, I read that I follow had him in the first round, so you almost get the first-round selection that you lost in the wrist and trade, if you want to get a little bit more optimistic. But the Flyers for so long have been all about who are we drafting, who are we drafting? Who are we drafting? But those teams that are ready to win a cup, it's what are we doing to improve this team for next year, not for the future. And Chuck Fletcher took that step that I think was probably really hard for a team whose culture has been, they'll do the draft, they'll do the draft, they'll do the draft. So for me, you know, I don't really want to talk too much about the draft picks because that wasn't the important part of this draft it was that we went out and we improved the nhl roster absolutely any other opinions here on this matt casey or hoagie in three years i look forward to learning their names perfect hoagie. <laughs> yeah i'm just tired of you know drinking the ron hextall kool-aid of let's let's build through the through the draft and build through the the pipeline i think the flyers fans need to be more excited that we're that we're improving the roster now and we're trying to get into like a win now type of type of mentality. Um, it's huge that Chuck kind of said, you know what, screw it. I don't care about this draft. And it was it was already said to be not a very deep draft this year because of all the missed time due to COVID that these players had. Um, so I think it's I think it's huge that Chuck did this. And John Gove has his hand raised. Well, and I think too, if you really think about a lot of these important players on the Flyers. They were drafted by the team. Right. We've done that part already. We have Couturier. We have Drew, Provorov, Sandheim, Konechny, you know, Lindblom. You have these guys who were drafted. So now you have to fill in the holes with people who weren't drafted. Because if you if you just build through the draft, it's going to go like, and I know you guys are the only ones who are seeing me, but you have this, and it's just like this constant movement like this where by the time the other group is ready, there's 
that group that's over the hill and then you got the other group that's maturing and then they get ready and the other group's over the hill so we finally moved on to the next step yeah so it it, the pipeline is finally like it's still clogged up right right you would say it's still clogged so why why clog it even more why add to it right yeah, unless you're going to trade them. But we've learned that they're going to trade the picks away. You still have all of our prospects intact, which is great. Um, right. But what we do have to address now is the Sandheim deal, the Carter Hart deal, and then looking towards a backup goalie and apparently potentially a third or fourth line center. Um, I don't want to talk about that because I don't think that's an apparent. I think that is a need. Okay. Well, we'll get anyway. to that. You, you, calm down. Calm down there, John. Oh, Sorry. boy. Jeez. Someone get that guy on his leash. Um, Travis Sanheim. Somebody somebody get that guy into his house. How about that? That's true. That, that, yeah, that's true. Just, that, just buy that. a house. Just buy a house, John. Like, Come on, dude. It can't be that hard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for, oh, for my insult there, but... Um, yeah, I'm the one that said something, which I didn't get anything out of it, so I'm happy. But anyways, Travis <laughs> Sanheim. Right, you you talk, that's a big enough insult. That's a Harvard hat. Boo. Boo John. Wait, Boo. Is, that, is that Harvard hat like your your homage to Chuck Fletcher? Because he went to Harvard. Is that what it is? It is not. Is that a Chuck Fletcher signed Harvard hat? I know it is not. <laughs> well, I mean, but I see, Casey, if it was a Chuck Fletcher signed Harvard hat, at least you know who the original owner of that hat. <laughs> if you look at it here, it's like it's like the pair. Of, it's like when you used to write in your underwear. It's like CF, like Chuck Fletcher. <laughs> I cannot believe you picked up that hat off the street. And you're wearing it. I don't care that. I truly don't care that you washed it. The fact that you're wearing someone else's hat that you don't even know. Weird. It's just dude, weird, man. I washed it. It's good. I again, I think it makes me look smarter. It makes me feel smarter. Whether you guys think so or not, I don't really care. Um, funny side story there. Funny side story. You know who else owns a Harvard hat? Who didn't go to Harvard? This guy. <laughs> that explains I Mass- so much. I was, <laughs> I was in Massachusetts, and we went to. We were like by Harvard. I don't know exactly the town that Harvard's in, but we were visiting somebody Cambridge. there. And Cambridge. sure, Cambridge. Yeah. See, anyway, you're obviously not Harvard smart, whatever. dipshit. <laughs> and I was just like, I was just torn between getting a Harvard Law T-shirt or just getting a Harvard hat. <clears throat> I went with the hat. Harvard Law T-shirt. You could probably pose as an attorney. Yeah, especially my attorney. <laughs> no, so what I'm gathering from this is I don't want to hear another goddamn word out of your mouth, John, about a Harvard hat. Except, well, no, no, I'm not giving you crap about the Harvard hat. I'm giving you the crap, giving you crap about the fact that you picked it up off the street. It belonged to someone else. You, now you're inferring that I picked it up off the street. I could have picked it up off the beach. I could have picked it up somewhere else off the boardwalk. Oh, you're right. Never mind. That's so much better. It is. Or. It's not like the Ocean City boardwalk where it's dirty as hell. It's like the one boardwalk from our house to the beach. The, that we're the only ones that use it. Boardwalk. You gotta be careful with the boardwalks. Anywhere. You better be careful here too, because if we stall any longer, I'm gonna kill you. Um right, Travis Sandheim. Travis Sandheim is up for an extension, he's an RFA. Do mm-hmm. I'll start with Matt Casey, because I'm pissed off at John. Um, do you see Travis Sanheim getting any type of raise from his last deal that paid him 3.75 a year? I, I guess you you got to a little bit. I mean, I don't know. He has he didn't really have a great season, and but I think in order to keep the guy happy, he's clearly a as we said couple weeks ago a pillar of the defense um i think you gotta lock him up at that salary i do think he's gonna be a decent player um i had him at three and a quarter is he three and three quarters was uh he might have been three and three quarters. i can't remember so i can see him giving a bump and trying to i mean it is another two-year deal in the works three and a quarter my apologies yeah it and so 
you know, do you put them up to an even four and try to lock them up for an extended amount of time? Um, that could be something I'm interested in. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, that's a tough one for Chuck, especially given the amount of money that you just spent on, you know, your top four defensemen there. What about you, Hoagie? Uh, I think you're, you're giving them a little bit of raise, but not a, you know, a splash of a raise. I'd say, I'd say four, four and a half, just a little bit of a, a bump. Four and, a half, the four, and four and a half, a bump. Four and a half, Jesus. Four and a half is like he's asking for it, but I, I, I'd rather it stay on four. Yeah, I'm looking at an index card. Four by six, man. That's what you give them. Four million, six years. That way, you know, you're paying a little <clears throat> bit more now, hoping that because you're locking them up for longer, <laughs> you know, that it works out. Yeah, but are you going to want to commit to him, and is he going to want to commit for that? I mean, well, I mean, this is what you do. <laughs> this is what you do. You say four by six, or I'll give you two years at three point five, like yeah. you know, or the salary you're making. Yeah. I mean, I honestly think that he should—he'd be smart taking that short-term deal. Bet on yourself. Play a season with Risto Linen. Mm-hmm. But again, like that's why I'm not a GM or an agent. Um, I, I don't see a deal right. for Sandheim going over three, three and three quarters. Um, there's just no way. The guy didn't play very well at all this year and in mm-hmm. contract year that should impact negotiations so you know if it's four i'll be i'm not gonna be like pissed off because it's not my money but i'll just be a little confused and be like what the hell <laughs> um now we get to carter so, Hart. So, or go ahead Matt sorry Casey. Derek. You, so you're you're thinking three and three quarters for two years is that is that what you're saying i'd say yeah i mean you're gonna get lower aav uh, for less term, but again, it's him betting on himself. Give himself a bridge right. deal, let him play, and then risk. You know, again, being paired with Ristolainen might help because he's more of a veteran than Phil Myers was. So we'll see. Um, Can I, I think... throw something else out there? Okay. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, in all seriousness, so if if you're Chuck Fletcher, okay, I understand we talked about Travis Sanheim as like a pillar in this defense. I'm also not sold on Travis Sanheim. I do think he has the potential to be a a really good, you know, second pair defenseman. But there are mo- moments where I'm kind of like, he's, right? So I don't know. I feel like if I'm Chuck Fletcher, you're like, all right, here's here's the number, here's the term for long term. Here's the number, here's the term for another bridge deal. You don't like it? Let me know. I'll trade you. I could use somebody else. Mm-hmm. Let me trade you right somewhere. I mean, would would you all be opposed to that? Because I'm not going to break the bank for this guy or get caught into doing something I don't feel like doing for Travis Sanheim. I think given given the moves that have happened in the last week plus, I I I don't think Travis Sanheim has a ton of negotiation negotiating power right now. Like he right. didn't have a great season. He now is, you know, number 3 or number 4 on the depth chart versus number 2. Um you know, I I I I'm not opposed to that at all. I you know, I, I like your, your four for six concept and it's like, hey, this is our team betting on you that you're gonna be a great great player for the next six years. Um right. so I don't know. I I, I, I agree with you there. Hoagie? Yeah, I definitely don't break the bank on him, especially after this past season. Yeah. All we, right. You def- we definitely have the negotiating terms in our in our court. Oh, for sure. There, there's no doubt about it. Given the way he played this past year, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> get to another guy. Somewhat of a similar situation with Carter Hart because coming off of a down year, whether you want to attribute that to his play or the defense in front of him, it doesn't matter. Statistics-wise, he was not having a good year at all. Um, I, I mean, I hate to be redundant. I just feel like bridge deals are going to be the, the, the thing this summer. It has to be. It has to be yep. because you're not going to go long-term. Yeah, if you go long-term, he's not going to want to do it because, let's be honest, if he pans out the way everybody thinks he will, he's going to be worth way more than what a bridge deal is going to pay him right now. And then right. if he goes bridge right. deal, then you know maybe two, three years down the road, that's when he could potentially break the bank. But right now, I'm looking, man, I, I really think the guy gets three, $3 million a year. Two years. For how long? Two, three years. I'd say two, probably two years. You know, I, and I'm going to just jump, but you're, you're throwing it to me because I'm just jumping in. Um, but <laughs> I think 
if you're the Flyers, you also don't want to commit long-term to him. Now, that is not me saying that I don't think that Carter Hart is going to be a great goalie. But we still need to see. He's very young. I, I think it would, unless you're going to get like six years at $3 million, you know, you don't want to commit the term to him either. I think both sides would prefer a bridge deal right now mm-hmm. because the Flyers know eventually they're going to have to pay this kid if he turns out to be what they're hoping he's going to be, and they're gladly going to pay him for it. Oh, for sure. But right now, both sides, it just makes the most sense. Yeah. What do you think, Ogie? No, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I, I we, We've talked about this previously. Uh, <clears throat> I guess it was right after the season ended. I would imagine. Um, I I wrote down. I would say two or three years, three years max. But I mean, I'm I'm throwing two or three million a year at them. I'm not throwing a whole lot of money, especially especially you know you got the flat cap. We gotta obviously bring in another a player to to shore up the offense. But uh, I think I think you just kind of let the flat cap go away after a couple years, and then when he really proves what he's worth then you throw all the money that you have at him when he proves that he's that number one bonafide starter. And Matt Casey? Yeah, nothing more to add. I, I'm right there with you guys. Perfect. So with Carter Hart getting, let's say, three mil a year, you know, you're looking at Sanheim maybe around the three seven five. You're left with 5.7 loosely to sign a backup goalie and go after a 3C or 4C. Um where do you allocate those funds? Which which is getting more? Is it more of an equal split? Are you going to be able to afford quality with that type of money, uh, Matt Casey? So, the the question is is do we go after a three C or a four C? Right, like just in general. Yeah, you could take it that way. Sure. I mean, are the Flyers better suited? Are they going to be able to afford a three C? I think the top echelon three C. Like, I don't know if we're going to be able to afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, are there some internal like moves that we could make to to make it work worthwhile? Like, yes. Like right now, Lawton is slated to be the four C. We do have God, not the guy who got traded to uh to, to see or picked by Seattle, but uh, is it Tanner Lazinski? Uh, but then we have Lashinsky, mm-hmm. uh, who you know I think people were kind of high on, who I think is a a four C as well. Um. And then you have Jesus, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Morgan Frost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Morgan Frost in there for a three C. So from an internal standpoint, like if we weren't able to land a three C, I don't think we're in like dramatic trouble. On the flip side, would I like to see a guy like Dino uh, from Montreal? Like I, I, I think that would be amazing. And we talked about this last week and the ability for him to actually like, you know, step in and take some of Couturier stuff. Um, and so, um, I, I think if the deal is right and we can improve the team with somebody and it could even be, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's not a center, maybe it's a winger and, you know, we we're able to, to make some maneuvering in there. I just, I think we need to be tougher to play against from a checking and a defensive standpoint. Um, so I, I'm down to jump in there. All right. And what about you, Hoagie? Uh, I I feel like you try to you try to shore up the the backup goalie, kind of either let your internal affairs work themselves out for that three C. I don't think Lawton should be playing four C. I feel like he's kind of gotten that pay that makes him a three C now. So sure. I mean, and, and I mean that you know me, I, I love Lawton, but I think I think he is an actual three C, not a four C. I wouldn't want to waste him waste them playing fourth fourth line minutes. So I think you you try to allocate this money to finding a really good backup goalie that's gonna help Carter Hart become that bona fide star that we're all asking of him to to be. All right, John, it's your turn to go off, man. Well, I think they're both really important. I think three C and goalie are actually both really important. Um Hoagie, I, I agree with you that I like Lawton on the third line. However, I like him on the wing. Um, I'd rather him not play center. I I almost feel like they have to clear up a little bit more space here because I worry about not having solid a solid three lines because of your center. I, I just don't know who's going to fill that role. Morgan Frost is a maybe. Yes, you can put 
slot in there, but I'd prefer he not be. Yeah, you can have Claude Giroux play center, but we, I think we can all agree that those mm-hmm. days are, are past him as far as where he's most effective. I saw something today, and maybe you guys can help me fill in. It was Kyle Turris, or did anybody else see this too? It was Kyle I... And somebody else. I saw Stepon, uh, Derek Stepon, Stepon, Stepon and Benino. Derek Stepon. Or be, I did oh, see Benino. Oh, oh well, maybe it was Benino and not Turris. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, getting one of those guys where it's like you could slot them at three C, but like if you have an internal that ends up working out, then okay, you're fine putting them on the mm-hmm. fourth line too, because I don't think either of them would cost a ton. I just think you need to go out and get some sort of option just to rely on the internal people filling it in, I, I just, I think it's too risky, but I do agree Hoagie also that you have to go out and get a bona fide backup. I just think both those positions are really important at this point. Yeah, I mean, I kind of almost fall under the same mindset as Matt Casey here, where, you know, if you wanted to, you could have Lashinsky play on that fourth line as the center. You could still have Lawton play on the wing on the third line, and then potentially Morgan Frost. But with this team getting bigger, you want some bigger guys. You want that the muckers, the grinders, the the, the big guys that are going to be physical. I mean, is Morgan Frost ready for that? You know, he's played a handful no. of games in two seasons. Um, mm-hmm. And he's not a big guy. So it's like, you know, but the thing is, when's going to be his time? Because he hasn't, you know, you want to maybe say 22 right. games, what, two years ago was a fair shake, but... He hasn't gotten to start the season and go the whole way through. So I don't know. I mean, I definitely think backup goalie should take precedence, but not like, you know, astoundingly more precedence than a a 3C potentially because Benino would be great. I think he'd be a great addition to this team. Um, Stepan would be great too, you know, but it's a matter of whether we're going to get them for the right price and still find a good backup goalie to Carter Hart. Man, now that I'm thinking about it, man, like I, I actually think we we have to shore up the, the, the backup goalie. Like I, I think we have to. Like there's too For many sure. X factors. Uh, you know, I know we have to have a backup goalie in general, but like I'd rather get, I'd rather spend the money there. There's too many X factors with Hard after last year. True. Yeah. All right, but folks. Does, let's, sp- let's spend two million dollars more on him though. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, does bringing in too big of a name like I, somebody who comes coming to mind is Braden Holpe right he's gonna get bought out or he was bought out right just bringing someone like him in does that rattle Hart's confidence or do you only bring Holpe in knowing okay man just so you know you are the 1B Carter Hart is our you know 1A like you're, you're not gonna be the guy mm-hmm. yeah. this is up Hoagie's alley I'll let you take that man yeah uh we uh, I brought up Holby back when we had the first round table with five minute major. I think he'd be a great addition as a backup goalie. Um, him and Hart are, are good friends. Holby texted him when you know he was brought up to play in that first NHL game two three years ago, whatever it was. Um, I think I don't think that's gonna hurt Hart's uh, ego whatsoever. I think it'll I think it'll boost him up and give him more confidence to, to play to, to his level. I think I think at this point in uh, Holby's career, he knows he's not a starter anymore. He wasn't starting for Vancouver, right? No, it was uh, with uh, Thatcher no, Demko. Yeah. Right, exactly. So he knows at this point he's not a starter. Like His, his starting days are, are gone. I think you give him 30 40% of, of games – to give Hart some rest, but I think I think you Hart knows that he's he's the starter and he he's not going anywhere. Very good points. One more thing I'd like to add to if you don't go out and get a center, right? Which you know, if you need to make the money work for the goalie, I do agree that that needs to be your number one priority. But if you can't go out and get a center and you do put Morgan Frost or Tanner Lashinsky or anybody in three C, I want you to go out and get another winger to compliment mm-hmm. him who has snarl. You know, somebody who comes to mind, which I don't think is a possibility, but like Corey Perry, right? Somebody where it's like, you know, you're going to knock out uh, tiny little frosts over here. You're going to have to deal with Corey Perry. Like, could you imagine you got your third line? You have Morgan Frost, Corey Perry, and Scott Lawton, right? (laughs) 
I mean, maybe that's more of a fourth line, but very intriguing. I don't know. It's a it gritty line, get, there. right? But just <sighs> get somebody that will, you know, kind of protect your center if it is somebody like Morgan Frost. True. No, good point. Can, can I ask a, another question? And Hoagie, sorry, this wasn't on the rundown, but uh, one more. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you guys see Lindblom slotting in with this roster? And like, because all like, you know, I see all like, you know, people on Twitter throwing up like, hey, here's what the lineup looks. And I'm like, oh, is Lindblom a, a fourth line winger? Like, is that That's what, what I've been seeing too? Be? And so yeah, I'm sort of like. I saw my line one on somebody's thing. I was like, yeah. oh, the fall right. yeah. boys. Second I, line, yeah, I feel like it's still kind of a stretch. I've seen them everywhere. It's tough. Yeah. It's, tough to, it's tough to slot them somewhere. I think you have to see what happens through through training camp slash free agency and, and see right. who he meshes with. Yeah. I mean, he meshed really well, well two years ago with Konechny and Couturier. So, right. Well, and that's the thing, too, and I've said this. I've said this a million times, and Derek, I mean, I, since we started this podcast, I've said it. You don't need to be first line, second line, third line, fourth line. Like, if you have a third and a fourth line that deserve the same amount of minutes, you are in such a great spot. So right. if he's on a fourth line just because of who he, he is meshing with or what makes sense, mm-hmm. it's different than he's playing eight minutes a night and barely, you know, getting an opportunity to – you know, use his skill set. Yeah, and I also like. I mean, you know, I I look at him as it's like, all right, even if he is a quote unquote fourth liner and and not getting a, a ton of you know a top six all this time, it's like it, you know he he's pretty decent on the penalty kill, and so it's like, all right, right, make him make him the the penalty kill guy, and you know what, that relieves people like Drew from and from having to to penalty kill. It's like, all right, let Drew be on power play in the last three minutes of the game where he wins games. Yeah, absolutely. Any lasting thoughts on this situation? I'll start with you, John. Well, I just think, you know, for the first time in a while, especially since we've done this show, Derek, I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, Chuck Fletcher has really done what everybody has been screaming for him to do. Now, maybe some people don't like the specific moves, but he has identified the problems we all have identified and he's looking to make those changes. And I just, I can't wait to see what free agency brings and I can't wait to see what this team looks like on the ice. I, I really think that he has done exactly what he needed to do after that diarrhea of a season last year. <laughs> Very well put. <laughs> what, what are you thinking, Hoagie? What are your lasting thoughts on all this? So, in my hungover state this morning, driving from the Poconos to good old beautiful Massachusetts, I turned on Sirius XM and I was listening to Sunday Brunch with uh, Dave McCarthy. And he had Adam uh, Kimmelman on there talking about the Flyers and all the moves they've made. And Kimmelman went to say, these moves create a new flavor for Philadelphia. Yep. And when he said that, it like clicked in my head. I was like, that's a beautiful way to, to put it, a new flavor. It's a new time. I'm mm-hmm. excited. It's the moves that needed to be made. And if you're upset about it, go find a new team because it's what we have been asking for. Seriously. But the future, Hobie, the future. No, through the future, I want now. Like, this we can't like... mortgage the future, Hobie. We can't mortgage the future. <laughs> Dude, freaking – I, I was sitting there. I was sitting there yesterday. You know, I, I had plenty of beers in me at that point. And I go, damn, Chuck did it again. I'm reeled right the hell back in. Like, <laughs> they let me down. They brought me back in. Casey, I want to. I want to go to you, but I have to. I just thought just in my head, so I'm gonna cut you off before you talk. Some flyer fans are like the 99 year old guy with five hundred thousand dollars in his bank account going. I need to save this just in case. Right. <laughs> oh God. Oh. All right, Matt Casey. What do you? What are your lasting impressions here? Look, I, right now Chuck is implementing the blueprint that we at all hope he would do: improve the defense, become harder to play against, both physically 
and also mentally. And Derek, you touched on this before. Like the guys were brought in, they're not like oh shy little guys. Like Cam Atkinson's press conference was. I mean that that, that dude's electric. Like Ristolainen is a is a is a beast of a band. Ellis is an established guy. Like they are all leaders. Like there is a culture change happening in there. And it's not to say, and you know, I, I want to crap on Sam Carcini for a second because he was like, "Oh, is Drew gonna not be the captain?" It's like, shut you can up, crap dude. on him all you want. He's a dick. Like, shut, shut up. Like, it, you it, have it, a shoulder. <laughs> Does he have a shoulder? How many? Don't, uh, don't get me going on the whole Drew captaincy thing because I was the, I was down a rabbit hole last night, boys. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> you you look at what this team lacked last year. We lost nine to freaking nothing to a non-playoff bound Rangers team. Like, that, that's absolutely inexcusable. The one player throughout the year who came through was Drew. Now we've tacked that on to guys like Ellis and guys like Ristolainen and guys like Cam Atkinson on top of guys like uh, Kevin Hayes. And, you know, I, I just feel like the mix is starting to form a little bit better, and it's yeah. all about the culture and the character of this team to be a playoff team now. And I'm not saying a Stanley yeah. Cup team because – I still think, you know, there may be some work to do, but you never know. But this is, in my mind, a much closer playoff team now than we were two weeks ago. Agreed. I mean, everybody here made fantastic points. This team is better. On paper, it is better. We are more physical. We have the right type of players in that locker room now. And I touched on that, so I'm not going to go any further with it. But it's exciting. And it's a breath of fresh air to people that have seen the last, you know, how many years of this Flyers team just basically settling for mediocrity. Six you know? years? Yeah. Has it been six years to this? Yeah, it's it's been too long, honestly. Feels like more. <laughs> it does. That's right. <laughs> but it's a fantastic time. These moves are great. You know, I, I'm sure there will be a signing or two or something that, you know, we'll be able to talk about next week, or at least I'm hoping. So, you know... I guess that's where we're going to leave it here tonight, uh, unless there's anything else that you guys deem fit to discuss. And before you do... Um, no, I'm kidding. Ho- 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 Hoagie's got something to say, I think. Does Hoagie have his dad joke of the week? Oh, you know I do. Yes. <laughs> All right, folks. I'm going to work on like a little jingle for like the dad joke of the week. All right, Hoagie. Dad joke of the week. All right. hit, hit us. You ready? How much does a millennial weigh? And Instagram. Boom! Got it! Casey with the win this week, baby. Let's go. This isn't Jeopardy. Like, you gotta wait for the... What is an Instagram? I'm sorry. I said it isn't Jeopardy. You don't answer the joke. You let him tell it. Damn it. That was good. God, that's awesome. (laughs) An Instagram. I don't think John gets it. Uh, I get it, but I ate this, like, chocolate mud thing dessert before... uh before we got on the show so guys we got to finish up because my stomach is starting to trouble all right well <clears throat> matt casey follow that up with where everybody will be able to find you uh pod street casey and that's where i'm at all right hoagie pod street hoax follow all my uh all my shenanigans and john gove yeah same thing but gove ah lovely what about if they want to listen to us on a different podcasting receptacle Google us. That works. That's, That's perfect. Fair. Awesome. Well, you Give can us find a review, jerks. Yeah, five stars, but let us know we suck. It'd be kind of funny. Um, anyways, thanks to like the what three one star reviews that gate. Yeah. Oh, relax, John. You can go. You're not talking anymore. Um, you can find me on oh, Twitter, Pod Street, Pod Street Bob, Pod ST Bullies. Find us. Until then, folks. Let's go, Flyers. Bye now. Get excited. Woo! <laughs> hey! <laughs>